Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McClain. I want to start with the winning side of the ball, the Arizona Cardinals. You know, the line isn't a great line, you know, but it's not terrible. It's better than they've had in some years. And with Cliff scheming the way he does and with Kyler able to get out of things and keep the defense honest with his legs, that's a big deal for them. You know, in years past when the line hadn't been good and they had kind of somebody that was more statuesque back there and a pocket passer, it was not a good situation for success. And that's something else that a running quarterback can do for you is it can kind of paste over some of the holes you have in your pass protection. So that's a good thing for Kyler. It's a good thing for Cliff and the offense overall to have better play than years past. But still, this isn't a dominant overall unit. They're not going to be busting open big holes unless everybody's so worried about Kyler that the eyes are on him and then the holes open up from that. That does open up running lanes and it does kind of paper over the line again. Kyler really does a lot of things for this offense and really it's his legs and his arm that creates the pressure on the defense that allows them to do all the different things they do. I was excited about this game because I wanted to see how the Washington Redskins and the Arizona Cardinals both came out after their wins in the first week. I wanted to see if what they did was an aberration and the Washington Redskins defense definitely was trying to do everything it could to disrupt Kyler Murray to hit him they were actually they were actually successful more than in the first week of getting to him and actually getting to hit him part of that was because they were actually doing more designed runs for Kyler which we'll get into in a moment but part of that was also just them being able to rush with so many different people when you put Chase Young on top of all the other pass rushers they already had this is a better defense absolutely it's just like I said last week you add a superstar on top of your role players and that really raises the ship of everybody on the defense. Now they've also had some improved play. Kevin Pierre-Lewis was all over the field in this game. He's making tackles for them in a big way. And when you have someone in the middle that can make tackles like that, along with the pass rushers, that makes for a formidable front seven, especially when your second linebacker or your first, depending how you look at it, is John Bostic. He got a big hit on Kyler, and it seemed to be a good presence on the field for them. So that was a good add. Along with Kevin Pierre-Lewis, they're really getting things done. I think the biggest surprise is probably the secondary and how they've been playing. I think Fabian Moreau and Ronald Darby have definitely played over their heads so far. Part of that's having the superior pass rush, but also part of that's just them playing better. So kudos to them. And uh, this defense has been playing with a lot more swagger. So I don't think it's the defense that you would want to target like you would have in the past. They still have Dwayne Haskins setting them up in tough situations from time to time. But at the same time, this is a better unit. They have better overall people to play with. And although they got some up and down play from the secondary, Landon Collins froze on the first Andre Hopkins touchdown and didn't guard him, but then came back and made a spectacular pick on one of the next plays that he was in on. So Kudos to him for making the comeback on that. He was a big signing last year amongst all the free agent class. He got a lot of guaranteed money, so he's going to be there. Great play from him is something they desperately need to have. Although it's kind of up and down, we'll, uh, we'll expect bigger things from Landon in the safeties. Let's move on to the main event of this podcast, Kyler Murray. 
Kyler was spectacular on this day. Now, the passing yards don't necessarily jump off the page to you. I mean, 26 for 38, 286 yards, one touchdown, one INT. He was sacked three times. Only one of those was really a huge hit, and he bounced right back up from that, so good for him. I think that's what made everybody back off a little bit of Kyler was, you know, if he's getting hit, is he going to be able to withstand it with his slider frame? And so far, so good. Of course, he does a great job of avoiding hits, especially when he's running. But he, they were doing more designed runs for him today, and it's not as easy to avoid hits on designed runs. So while I love seeing that, and everybody in the league should grimace a bit to see that, uh, Cliff designing runs with a running quarterback is kind of a ser- scary proposition. Everybody that has Kyler should love that because it's not just now where – He's getting runs when the pocket breaks down and he has to or on a key third down or something along those lines. They're actually scheming runs for him as well. That raises his ceiling. It does increase his risk of getting hit, but I think he's good enough to keep out of the fray there, and that's a risk for any quarterback in the NFL. So it's not like you can really mitigate that one way or another. The big thing about Kyler today was the eight carries for the 67 yards and the two touchdowns. The two touchdowns were beautiful. He really ripped those off. And when a defender has five yards to close on Kyler, they better be concerned because he can make you look foolish in the biggest way. He can beat you with his speed. He can make a move and make you look foolish if he needs to. It's probably going to be the former rather more than the latter, though, because he is so fast. He's able to use angles that other people can't use to get away from people. And that's where he bends the dimensions of the field and that they have to account for that and they can't rush him in the same way they would rush another quarterback. You've got to stay in your lanes. You've got to keep him in the pocket. You can't have anybody blow their lane. Otherwise, there's somewhere for him to squirt out to and you end up paying for it, especially if you're running man coverage and everybody has their back turned covering their guy. So clearly, I'm all over Kyler Murray. If you drafted him... In the very first part of the next tier of quarterbacks, likely somewhere with Russell and Dak in the fifth, sixth round range, maybe earlier if you had more emphasis on quarterbacks or people started to get antsy, which does happen. It's not always that you know somebody has higher hopes for the quarterback. It's just that within the flow of a fantasy draft, that can affect decisions, you know, quarterbacks are going, I needed to get this, or, oh no, tight ends, there's a run. And that can have people reach up and do things they wouldn't normally do. Even though they like those players, they might have drafted them earlier than they wanted to because of other people's actions. So you have to keep that in mind. Kyler is one of those quarterbacks that actually makes sense to take in in those rounds. He has the upside and he had the ability to really build on something good last year, but he still didn't have the stats to say that that was an automatic thing. So you were able to kind of get some discount on him on draft day. I don't think that's going to be the case next year if he keeps playing like this. Part of the reason he's playing better is that he has better options to throw it to. Now, it seems a little counterintuitive because a lot of them are the same names. You know, Andy Isabella, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Dan Arnold, they were all there last year. Same with Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. The difference is obviously, number one, they have DeAndre Hopkins. Eyes on DeAndre Hopkins means less eyes on them, 
gives them more space to operate, allows them to operate without the number one corner. So it gives everybody a lesser cornerback and a lesser defender to guard them. And that allows them to do more with it. So they don't have to have the shutdown corners that you wouldn't want to have. You know, you, you know, you don't start day, people on the day they are guarded by Ramsey. Well, if you're one of the Atlanta receivers, Ramsey's going to be guarding Hopkins. So that allows you to get loose and hopefully these targets can do more with it. I don't see any of them outside of Hopkins as an option right now for starting in a, in a shallow league. There's just too many other wide receiver options that are still healthy and they're too inconsistent at this time. You know, Larry's taking care of a lot of the possession work. Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella are more deep threats. And we saw last week with one for five from Christian Kirk, he's going to be kind of hit or miss. They're not using him in a possession role as much as I would like. That's really all going to DeAndre Hopkins at the, and Larry at this point. That's kind of their configuration. Everybody kind of, you know, they have their two deep threats and they have their two possession guys and they kind of roll with it and it's working right now. Kyler's moving the ball around. He's hitting. He's not afraid to throw it deep to anyone. He's not afraid to throw it short to anyone. And he's spreading the ball around, but Hopkins is getting so much of the targets and he's able to do with those targets so much that I think he's definitely looking good to continue on as a wide receiver one. I think he's definitely still someone to target. I think he was hurt last year, so he probably had a half step he wasn't getting that he has this year. And he's also rejuvenated by playing with Kyler and not playing with Bill O'Brien, it seems like. He, you know, he clashed with Bill O'Brien. So getting away from that, you know, having a positive attitude with your team can absolutely make a difference. There's so many people that check out, you know, I mean, how many times do you check out at work when you're just not feeling it, right? So we love DeAndre Hopkins. We're not looking at really the other op- options there. Let's talk about the options for the rushing game. You know, Kenyon Drake looked a lot slower last week. I think it was just because he didn't get as much of a chance to run downhill. And this week he did. And it showed he he looked a lot more explosive. He looked a lot faster out there. They were targeting him in the passing game. And, uh, you know, he has a, a really nice role for Arizona. Now, Chase Edmonds absolutely is going to work his way in there. You know, he didn't do a lot with with what he had today, but He's in there around the goal line some of the time. He gets a lot of the targets in the running, rushing game too. So Chase Edmonds is still around, and it doesn't do anything for Kenyon Drake other than maybe keep him healthier overall for the season. Still, Kenyon Drake got most of the touches for the running backs, and I still feel like he's a strong play. I'm probably targeting him as not my number one running back. Maybe I'm trying to steal him off a team that got him second. Maybe I'm trying to buy low on Kenyon Drake because he didn't get a touchdown today despite the yardage. And with Chase Edmonds kind of sopping up some of the reception work, it kind of taps his upside overall. Should the injury bug hit Chase Edmonds and should Kenyon Drake get a little bit more red zone work, which I do believe he's their best red zone back right now, he should have better days. So I'm targeting Kenyon Drake as a buy low, but I'm also holding Chase Edmonds as a lottery ticket on the bench. He would absolutely take this rollover. He wouldn't have the same issues because there's not a Chase Edmonds for him to deal with afterwards. And I think he's capable of running with this role if he got it. It's just that Kenyon Drake has a hold of it now, and he's he has something with this. He's not hurt. He kind of looked like he might have been babying something last week maybe, or maybe it was that they were just able to keep him from really getting loose. 
I, I like both of them in their in their own way, and I think both of them should be owned. If someone saw what Chase Edmonds did and they they got jumpy and they went with someone else, I mean, to go with Daryl Henderson over someone like Chase Edmonds right now because of the role. But if you have the bench spot and you have have enough room for Chase Edmonds, I'm definitely holding him as a lottery ticket in the same mold as Miles Sanders last year. The Cardinals have an interesting matchup versus the Lions next week. So we'll see what they do with that. The Lions haven't been as especially impressive on defense yet. So we'll see how that looks. I definitely would be starting DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray. There's no doubt about that. If you have, have Kenyon Drake, you're starting him as well. I don't see anybody that you'd shy away from if you were thinking about starting him because of the Detroit Lions. So we'll look to see what Kyler can do with that matchup. I like matchups with Detroit because they throw the ball as a big part of their offense, and that leads to longer games and more attempts for everybody, whether it's rushing or passing. Let's move over to the Washington football team. I'm sure I called them the Redskins at some point already and and didn't realize it, so excuse me for that. It's going to be tough. My Cowboys have been playing this team for some time, and, and while I have no problem with them changing the name, it is going to be hard for me to stop saying that just because I'm thinking about what's going on with them rather than their name. Let's, anyway, let's not bog down on name changes. Surely they'll have something chosen for next year that I can start trying to remember. But let's talk about their offensive line. They got a little bit better play from their right side today. Scherf and Moses are quality linemen in my estimation. It's just that the left side is kind of suspect. Having Garen Christian Sr. blocking Dwayne Haskins' backside isn't doing him any favors and they haven't had good luck up the middle as well, other than Scherf. So we need to see more out of this unit. They really need to protect Dwayne Haskins and hide him a bit if they can. That goes first by running the ball. And then, you know, once you can establish the run, then you can kind of do things off of that. He is not prepared to put the offense on his shoulder. So they need to work on that and they need to get something else in place as far as the offense, because if they continue to put this on Dwayne Haskins, they're going to lose games. Now they need to let him grow and they need to develop him. And they might be a little bit behind the eight ball just with the way everything started, but they have time. He's still young and he has physical tools. It's just, he needs more confidence. He needs more, help frankly and he needs the offense to flow better for him to have a better day he's not going to uplift the offense the offense needs to uplift him at this point in his career we'll hope that gets better and we'll hope the Redskins get better as far as you know their watchability so it wasn't all on the line the Arizona Cardinals have a better defense there's no doubt about that that they're playing better um, it's not that Drake or Patrick across from Patrick Peterson or the secondary has been better necessarily, uh, although the sa- safeties in Banjo and Baker were all over the field. You know, it's really been the front seven that's been playing well, specifically the pass rush, and it hasn't even necessarily been all Chandler Jones. It's been more of a group effort, which I really like seeing. You know, there was too much on Chandler Jones's shoulders last year, and when he wasn't getting there, nobody was getting there. Now they have other people and you can't double Chandler, and everybody's kind of getting to the edge and getting there. So Hassan Reddick, you know, that draft pick's paying off. Corey Peters had a really nice play in strip sack Dwayne Haskins today. We'll hope to see more of that from them to support Kyler. Improved defense will certainly help them as a team, although as I've spoken to before, it doesn't hurt to be down and throwing when you have the quarterback. 
So we'll hope for that. I think there'll be times for that with Kyler. They're not going to get to play Dwayne Haskins every time. But that, but they are improved. But they aren't a unit to target necessarily for your offenses and DFS. You just they're kind of a hold as far as they're they're in the middle of the pack to the above the average of, of the pack. And I like that. I like that for them. So throughout, I've kind of mentioned Dwayne and what he did. You know, it's not like I said. It's not that he doesn't have the physical tools. It's just that he doesn't really have a ton of confidence right now. He's not making a lot of good reads, and it shows. You know, the one true thing he had going was he was hitting Terry McLaurin in the intermediate game on slants, on simple passes, and then Terry was doing stuff with it. He was looking really fast, and then he was doing stuff with it. To Dwayne's Haskins credit, he was hitting Terry McLaurin in stride, and he was giving him room to run, and that allowed them to at least get something going on offense. The other thing I'll say about Dwayne is he doesn't have a lot of weapons outside of that. They're in a deep part of the rebuild, and Terry McLaurin is really their only true good weapon in the passing game, which is not an overstatement. Steven Sims, Dontrell Inman is doing great blocking, but other than that, he's not offering a ton. They, they brought in Gandy Golden a little bit finally, so we'll, maybe we'll see more of that. They, they, they seem to know that they need to have better weapons for Haskins. I mean, Logan Thomas is out there a lot and seems to be fine, but I would like to see much more explosive weapons in the mold of Terry McLaurin back there before I really pass judgment all the way on Dwayne Haskins. Plus, it's just his first year as a full starter. I want to see more from him, and I want to see better decisions. I think that'll come in time once he's got more experience. I still don't know if he has what it takes, but there's times where it looks like he does. It's just a confidence thing. It's just a knowledge thing. And those are both things that can be remedied. It's not that he doesn't have the arm. That's something that you can't remedy. So at least there's that for them. And while it doesn't look like he's a startable option in season-long leagues, probably not dynasty leagues unless you're desperate, and maybe not even two, two quarterback leagues, you're probably looking at him as a backup, a bad backup, somebody that you're going to have to use when the bye weeks come around. Now, you definitely want to have him for those bye weeks because it's better than having nobody in a two-quarterback league. But at the same time, you're not excited about those times. But then again, I'm not allocating a lot of resources to a third quarterback either. I'm trying to do what I, what I could, and maybe that's what who fell to you. He's going to start unless something happens. I mean, they don't have some – he's the young option. They've already put him out there. The leash is long. It's not the other way around where this is the veteran and they, we want to see what the young guy can do. We've got the young guy in there, and we know what the backups can do. For God's sakes, I hope they don't put Alex Smith in there. I do not want to see him ever play a down of football again, and it's nothing against him, but I don't want to put that leg in jeopardy and then have to see him hobbling around years later in some sort of feature on ESPN. So clearly I'm not on Dwayne Haskins, but – You know what? It doesn't take a absolute stud at quarterback to support a wide receiver one. And and Terry McLaurin definitely looked like that today. I don't think he's actually a wide receiver one because of the up and down play of Dwayne Haskins in the offense, but he definitely has the talent of one. So should his situation at quarterback ever get upgraded, get excited about that. Or if Dwayne Haskins can really pull it together, I would also be excited about that for Terry McLaurin, obviously. 
But until that happens, he's probably more of a studly wide receiver too that could really carry you on any given day. And that's where he was drafted. So if that's where you got him, I think your expectations are going to be met and maybe even exceeded because he really is truly their only option. Now they have other people to throw it to, but he's the one that creates the separation. He's the one that creates the go in the offense and they seem to know it. Now other teams know it too, though. So you got to be careful about him getting doubled or him getting the the Jalen treatment or whatever it is. And that kind of creates a little bit more doubt than some of the wide receiver ones from week to week. That's why he's a really bossy wide receiver too. And like I said, if you drafted him where he was getting drafted, you're excited about that. That's profit for you that he's going to be able to do this with Dwayne Haskins because that was the worry, not Terry McLaurin's talent. The talent is absolutely there. He runs fast. He catches the ball. He's good with deep balls too. I don't see what he can't do. I'm definitely on Terry McLaurin. It's just a question of if you're trading for him, what are you giving up? And with Dwayne Haskins up and down play, I don't think I'd be trying to target him as a wide receiver one like someone might try to sell him as. But if you can get the right value, absolutely don't let Dwayne Haskins scare you off. He has enough raw talent where he's going to hit Terry enough to make this a worthwhile situation. Everybody else, no. He might like Logan Thomas, and Logan Thomas might be a streamer and might be a good second tight end. If you drafted him in your best ball, he was probably damn near free. So if he's your third tight end, that's really exciting. That is exciting, absolutely, because he's getting targeted. He's a part of the offense, and that's definitely not something that's going to change because it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot else. He didn't do a lot with it this week, but he didn't fall in the end zone, and there wasn't a ton of opportunities to get close to the end zone for the offense today. Dwayne kind of stagnated the offense all day, and they didn't really get the running game going like they would necessarily like to. Although they didn't have a big-time problem, it's just they didn't really get to establish things because there was just so much dysfunction in the offense. So if you have Logan Thomas, he's definitely going to be fine as a second tight end. I don't think I'd want him to be my first one, but there has been a lot of tight ends that have kind of fallen out already. So I don't blame you if you look at that or maybe if you roster him, but I don't think I would expect every week value just because, same thing, Dwayne Haskins. And, of course, all the other options, no thanks. Not today, not tomorrow. But and maybe Steven Sims if everything doesn't go happen. But I don't think he's especially explosive. And it does take a special wide receiver to really get over the top with really bad quarterback play. And so far, Dwayne has not looked good. But it's not a complete dumpster fire either. I've seen way worse quarterback situations before and had people produce value. So I don't think I'd stay away from Terry McLaurin, nor – would I stay away from Antonio Gibson? Now, Antonio didn't have the best day, but the role he was in, I loved it. Now, you see J.D. McKissick also had 53 yards on eight carries. You see that he looked fast and that he looked like he had something too. He never was used right, I don't think, in Seattle, in my opinion. So that does bother me. I don't like that for my Antonio Gibson plays this year. But the 53 yards were kind of just indicative of a nice 13 yard gain. And then another gain right after that in the four minute drill, they kind of used him as their four minute drill running back, meaning he was in there in the, when they were trying to hurry up when they were trying to throw, throw the ball a little bit, even though he wasn't targeted. I think Antonio Gibson's going to be fine and will be the lead back here. 
you know, they used him more in the goal line. As a matter of fact, they brought him back in for his touchdown. That is huge when they bring someone back in. You know, they gave McKissick on, then they threw it. And then third down, they brought Gibson back in to get his touchdown carry. That's big. They First week, they did that with Peyton Barber. They realized that he's got nothing. He got one carry for one yard, basically a situation where he was going to have to fall forward. And while that can be a, a goal line back like Jordan Howard, even though Jordan Howard more, has more juice than Peyton Barber, I think that that was a very, very positive sign for Antonio Gibson's value going forward. We'll look for that to continue. We'll look for him to continue to get more carries. It's just that J.D. McKissick definitely has some juice. So until he's not there, I don't think that Antonio can totally seize the role. I will also say they targeted Antonio a lot more today than he had catches, and he will be more involved in the passing game. It just didn't quite work out that way today. Just kind of tough tough throws, and it just wasn't quite the right timing with him and Haskins, which seemed to be more on Haskins, but not, not to pile on. So I'm buying Antonio Gibson. If he was on, if he made it to your waiver wire, absolutely get on top of that. If you can slip him into a trade as the second player where you're getting the best player, absolutely do that. I'm guessing he probably remained rostered in the more savvy leagues, but if you can get on top of Antonio Gibson, he's going to pay off for, in running back value for you this year. I don't have much doubt about that. And I know they want to use him that way. That's what they're are signaling with the touches that they're giving him. So we'll expect bigger things for him than today. He got lucky and got in and got that touchdown. It could have been a much worse day without that. But still, somebody I'm definitely looking at as somebody to slip into the back end of trades. Washington has an interesting matchup this week with the Browns. The Browns have been very up and down with their play so far, so it'll be interesting to see what Washington can do with them. The Washington front seven versus the Browns line should be especially interesting. Can the Browns dictate the run like they did last week against Washington's front seven? You know, what do they look like against Baker Mayfield? What can Haskins do against Miles Garrett? It's all interesting stuff. You know, the Browns do have Denzel Ward, so that's not as good as some of the teams for Terry McLaurin. But I don't think it would make me shy away from Terry McLaurin or Antonio Gibson if I had them. I don't think the Browns have the strongest defense. They just have the people that are good on defense. We'll see if Dwayne can do something with that. There's always a chance for Washington to crater, but that's why you got these guys where you got them, and that's why they're not wide receiver one and wide and running back two values. That's why they're wide receiver two values and flex values. Well, that's all I've got for today. This was the Roundtable Sports Podcast. My name is Taylor McLean. Hope you're able to take this information and use it to dominate your opponents and win your league. Have a great rest of your day.